Heavenly Father, we come now to your word and we want to feast upon it. Would you feed us? Would you feed us with your heavenly food? Would you fill us with the spirit of your son, Jesus Christ? It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The way I know that um, God has a sense of humor is that on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, for Americans, I suppose, we are encouraged to pray a prayer that includes the phrase, no kidding, inwardly digest. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that when the dean uh, chanted the collect of the day just now. Would you find that prayer, it's the collect of the day in your bulletin near the beginnings? The collect of the day is the prayer for Sunday. It's a part of the proper readings and, uh, and, and uh, a prayer for each Sunday. And then we pray the prayer through this week. So all week long, uh, you'll be uh, not only eating leftovers, but praying about inwardly digesting the Word of God. Here's what we prayed. Let's, let's pray it together, shall we? Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I wish I had time to tell you all about the history of this prayer and, uh, and its particular role in our book of prayers, but it was, uh, it was added to um, the compilation of prayers by the author Thomas Cranmer, the, the big man of the prayer book himself in 1549. It's found its way all these years into every prayer book. In fact, it's found its way into other Christian prayer books. It's somewhat famous for the way that Cramer so beautifully uh, asked the Lord to bury his word in our hearts, inwardly digest the Bible. We read a lot of words whether we realize it or not. Uh, Robert Benson talks about their, well, he says this about how we read. There are two kinds of reading. The first is the kind of reading that most of us do all the time. At its simplest, it's stop signs and billboards, horoscopes and headlines, memos and magazines. The reading that we do to stay in touch with life and work and culture. And we we read such things for the information itself. Like it tells us what we need to know to keep functioning. Um, Or we read because we're convinced that we can't get a proper suntan without a book in our hands. Floridians, that's you. We get a stack of mail and we see how fast we can work through it, uh, just taking from it what we need or what we want. But there's a different kind of reading. Formational reading, the reading that Thomas Cranmer asked the Lord uh, to help us do, is reading that's not about working on the stuff that we're seeing on the page, but letting what's on the page work on us. Inwardly digesting the Word of God. So today, this is our point. Don't evade Scripture like a distant observer. 
And don't try to employ Scripture to do something that you want it to do, to fulfill your demands. Rather, eat it. Eat the Bible. Eat Scripture. Inwardly digest it. I want to mention at the outset a wonderful book that has guided my thoughts, and I'll be quoting from this some today. Uh, It's by Eugene Peterson called Eat This Book, A Conversation in the Art of Spiritual Reading. I highly recommend it. First, let's talk about God's Word as food. It may seem strange at first to think of the Bible as something we eat, but Cranmer, and you'll see in a minute, Eugene Peterson both pick up on this, uh, this way of Scripture, and Scripture talks about itself as food. So, for example, in uh, 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter, Scripture is called milk. In Deuteronomy, and then all the way again in Matthew 4, when Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, Scripture is called bread. In Hebrews, Scripture is called meat. God's prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, both in somewhat different contexts, they are told to literally eat a scroll, eat this scroll. Uh, And strangely, in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, John, the revelator, is told to also eat this scroll. Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. In John's gospel, Jesus is the bread of life and the living what? Water. Not beer, water. That was water right there. Exodus 24, when God is revealing himself, which is what the word of God does to Moses, it's over a meal. God's word, God's revelation, God's expression of himself to us as food that we want to take into ourselves. So Eugene Peterson in his book sums it up like this. Christians feed on the word of God. Holy Scripture nurtures the holy community, just like food nurtures the body. And Christians don't simply learn the Bible or study the Bible or use the Bible. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions to all the world, the healing of the nations, evangelism, justice, that's what happens to God's word when we inwardly digest it. But here's how not to read. I always like to ask the question when I'm preparing a sermon or just reading a text uh, and I'm trying to apply it to my life, what is at stake for me in this passage? Or what's at stake for our community? Like if we don't, if we don't engage this text, the truth of this Bible passage well, what would that mean for us? So What is Cranmer against here? What is he saying? Don't do this. Instead, inwardly digest it. I think it's something like this. Two ways not to read the Bible, all right? Don't evade it like a distant observer. What does this look like? Well, let's talk about Thursday and the big feast of food that's coming, hopefully. By the way, even for our homeless brothers and sisters around us as a downtown church, um, there's a feast for you on, uh, at the Salvation Army. I hope that you'll take advantage of that. So we're feasting on Thursday. What if we did this, how not to read the Bible? What if we took this big meal? And, you know, I'm thinking of grandma because my grandma would cook it. So grandma 
brings the turkey in and sets it down and then sets down the mashed potatoes on the table and then the sweet potatoes and then the other kinds of four potatoes that are also there. And then the tea, right, or whatever it is. And we all sit there and then someone is asked to say the grace. So dad or mom prays, uh, Lord, thank you for this food. And then we just sit quietly and look at the food. No, I mean, that would be... That's what I'm saying. That's, that's what we would do with our Thanksgiving. That is Thanksgiving. And after about 30 minutes, I mean, family awkward pauses at Thanksgiving are rough, but this would be the ultimate 30-minute awkward pause in conversation. We would sit quietly. We would look at the food. And then grandma would begin to slowly take each plate and dish back to the kitchen, dump it out into the garbage, and we would go on our merry way, right? No leftovers the next day. We wouldn't participate with the food or touch the food or handle the food or smell it. We would just look at it. Peterson writes this on evading scripture like a distant observer. The act of eating the book means that reading isn't just an objective act where we look at the words and we ascertain their meaning. Eating the book is in contrast with how most of us are trained to read books. That is to say, to develop a cool objectivity that attempts to preserve scientific or theological truth by eliminating as far as possible any personal participation that might contaminate the meeting. Like we don't want to mess, we don't want to uh, contaminate the turkey by eating it, right? Imagine that. It would be like just now, all of these ritual acts and words that we've just spoken in this word portion of our service. By the way, it's word and then sacrament, the two big chapters in each worship service. So right now we're in the middle of the word section and we do all of this liturgy around word, all these worshipful acts, right, to uh, acknowledge and adore God through his word. So just now the word was uh, was carried down into the midst of the people and we all stood up in honor because it's like literally Jesus Christ is about to speak to you from the gospels himself. And that's why you say, we don't say praise to you, Lord, book. We say praise to you, Lord Christ. Jesus is speaking to us from the gospels. We, so it would be like, be like doing all of these acts, saying all of these things, li- even attentively listening and maybe even taking notes on the homily and then not living it out, not letting the word actually filter into our bones and come out in our actions. It sort of reminds one of James in when James talks about being hearers of the word uh, instead of hearers and doers. But be doers of the word, James says in chapter one, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word of God and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and then on going away, they immediately forget what they're like. Looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like is like sitting at a plate uh, at a table with food and not eating, just looking. Don't read the Bible that way. Cranmer wants us to dig deeper, to digest it. Go ahead, jump in, roll up your sleeves. It's okay if your napkin is not in your lap. Dig in, inwardly digest. Our daughter, Daphne, seven years old, when she was three and could not read, she would walk around 
our house, and uh, sometimes she would pick up a book, which if you live and your dad's a priest, and the books that are lying around are weird Old Testament theology books, right? So you have this, this three-year-old girl walking around dressed out in her Dorothy costume or something, and she would be holding Gerhard von Rad or something like that, and walking around, and she would say like churchy words as if she were, thine be the kingdom and thine be the glory, this kind of thing. And then, of course, you would come over and you would notice that she was holding the book upside down. So you would say, Daphne, let me turn it up. That's, that's what we're talking about. Engaging God's word like it's a billboard or a stop sign or a text that we need to study for a test. And then after the test, we forget it. Cranmer wants us to dig deeper, inwardly digest. Here's the second way. Don't just evade it like a distant observer, but don't, don't employ it and make demands on the Bible. Another way not to read. So, for example, on Thursday, to stay with our analogy, what if, what if on Thursday, Grandma took all of the food, brought it out, put it on the table, we're all sitting there, and then she uh, proceeds to bring out a, an enormous ninja blender that she's just picked up from Amazon, like a really extra large ninja. She puts it on the table and then proceeds to put each ingredient into the blender. And then, boom, she blends up. This is a Thanksgiving smoothie, all right? And then after that, she takes the green, gray, brown mess and she slops it on your plate. Happy Thanksgiving. That would be angry grandma, I think, but... Imagine, now let's be honest though, on a technicality, follow me, on a technicality, what grandma is doing with the food is correct because we would still get the vitamins and nutrients, not exactly in the same way, we would still get the life-giving energy and nutrients and so on from the food, right? Not exactly in the same way, I know we can't live on smoothies, but you see my point. None of this beautiful centerpiece None of the conversation that goes with, none of the, uh, um, the, the matching of um, uh, dressing with the turkey so that the flavors and the red wine and all of that, none of that, just boom, blender. Peterson writes this, there's a way to read the Bible and not get involved with the revelation of the living God. Sometimes we just want to use the Bible like for its intellectual challenge. Ooh, I love a good hard, you know, archaeology meets linguistics meets history kind of debate from the Old Testament. Or perhaps we just want to get some practical tips like my kid will not obey. What do I do? Jesus, help me. Okay, I'll read the Bible. Or what about it's been raining the last few days. We're all depressed. And so we need some inspiration Where should I turn for inspiration? Well, I'll turn to the Bible. So we just use the Bible for like decorative pillow theology, right? With love, joy, faith, peace, something like that. It's entirely possible, Eugene Peterson says, to come to the Bible in total sincerity, responding to the intellectual challenge it gives or the moral guidance it offers or the spiritual uplift it provides and not in any way have to deal with a personally revealing God who has personal designs on you. The blender method of Thanksgiving dinner would be technically correct and it would be very efficient, but it would not be the slow, engaging, beautiful, joyous, uplifting, 
even the way our bodies uh, process the food over time, it would not be that kind of inward digestion where we're literally participating in the food, right? So this is how not to eat. Don't make demands of the Bible. Let the Bible make demands on you. It's a living word, Hebrews tells us. It is the person of Jesus speaking to us through the Bible. It is the presence of God in our midst making demands upon us because we are, after all, followers of Jesus. So we want to submit to the Bible. That's what it means to inwardly digest it, as hard as that may be to hear. All right, so that's how not to read it. Here's how to read it. A few ideas. Receive it and respond to it. When we say that little liturgical thing we do, uh, the gospel of the Lord prays to you, Lord Christ. I always think of that as, I got it. I heard it. I'm with you. I tucked that away. I'm listening, right? It's like the deacon or whoever reads the gospel, um, just now Dean Kidd read the gospel. It's like he's throwing you the ball and you are catching the ball. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Christ. I got it. It's like a runner receiving a plate of pasta the night before she's going to run the big race. Feed on the scriptures because without them you won't be able to run. They are your life. They are your sustenance and your energy. It's not really optional for a Christian. It's like running every day without any energy. It doesn't work. Here's a second way. Maybe participate in it. Get your hands in the turkey, right? Um, I don't know a better way to say this except for uh, to tell you how my imagination pictures participating in a meal. To use our grandmother again um, in, in, in the story, it's like grandmother prepares and participates in the meal first by preparing it. So her hands are in the turkey, in the bird, putting the dressing in there, um, cutting all of the veggies, right? She's, she's all in the food in the very beginning. And then a few hours later, she's sitting down and she's actually eating the food, another part of participating in the meal. And then she's watching her children, her grandchildren, throw the turkey against the wall because they're having, that's how they're engaging the food, right? They're participating in the meal the way kids participate in the meal. And then she's... Uh, and then she's cleaning it up afterwards, still getting some of it on her hands again, but thanking God that everybody was there and that the kids were having a blast. And then she's still participating in it hours later when she lays her head on the pillow and is thinking about and thanking God for the way that that turkey not only gave her body life and sustenance, but brought life to her whole family. That is participating in the food. She didn't just serve a turkey smoothie. She served a beautiful family meal. We've got to submit to it. Now here, without being too graphic, let me close with, with, with this. Because this is a final thought on how to read and inwardly digest God's word. I would ask you to consider the sometimes slow and painful nourishing process of digesting food. Think about it. It's messy. It's also mysterious. Like you don't see the food 
when it goes down inside. I mean, after you make the choice to put that crystal cheeseburger in your body, your choice is done, friends. It's, it's done. My dad used to call them gristules, by the way. I love, we, our family, yeah, go, thank you, Crystal, for what you do. Um, it's mysterious. It's messy. We can't see the process of our bodies breaking down the materials that then will give us life. But in the end, it is life-giving. There really is a process then of submitting to the food, like letting it do its thing, and sort of our hands are off of it. And now it is in us. It is working on us and in us and through us to bring life, to bring life. So let us engage God's word today, not with uh, empty uh, reading, not with some kind of agenda, but with submission, feasting on it. And I know you're probably tired of hearing about food, but I just have to remind you that our God doesn't want anyone to go hungry. And so now we come to the second part of our liturgy from the word to the sacrament. And it's all about food again, because now we're going to eat what theologians call the living word. We've been feasting on the written and preached word, and now we're going to eat the living word, the sacrament, the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the bread and wine. This imagery we cannot escape. So friends, let's eat. Amen.